This episode is sponsored by Harmony, a personal enrichment course for women. Work-life balance is unattainable, but you can achieve Harmony. Pathway Kingdom Life Coaching is excited to offer Harmony, a seven-week personal enrichment course to help women find their natural rhythm and master the multiple moving parts of their lives. Visit pathwayteam242.org for more information. Fairfully and wonderfully, I was made, created to have dominion. I am not afraid. There is no duplicate, no carbon copy of me. I am an original. I am free to be me. Welcome to Living Loved and Free with Carol G, brought to you by Pathway Kingdom Life Coaching. At Pathway, we believe life is a journey. Thus, our podcast provides a weekly pit stop for kingdom women to pause, reflect, and refuel. I am your host, Carol G, and I am super excited to share practical, kingdom-inspired strategies to help you know your worth, love yourself unconditionally, and unapologetically be your most authentic self. Here is this week's transformative message. May it inspire you to be the best you possible. Hi there. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Living Loved and Free with Carol G. Whether you are a first-time listener or you've listened to several or even all of our episodes, I am so glad you chose to listen to this one. If the message inspires you to be more authentically you, I'd love for you to send me a message and let me know how it impacted you. We're on the fifth and final part of our five-part work series. If you haven't listened to the previous messages in this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to episodes 17 through 20. But whether you've listened to the other messages in this series or not, I know God brought you to this episode for a reason. So I pray that you will open your heart and mind to receive what he has for you in this week's message. Now, before I get into the message, I have a little secret. I am not as smart as I may appear to be. (laughs) Like real talk, seriously. I laugh him, but I'm serious. See, I know, like I know. I'm not playing myself down or anything. I know that God has blessed me with a reasonable amount of intelligence and I have the ability to think logically, objectively, creatively, and critically, right? But I am certain I appear much smarter than I actually am and that is all on God. God directs my steps in such a way that I seem oh so very clever, (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I am grateful that God sets me up like he does. I am super thankful when I see his plans unfold and they make me look like I had the foresight to line things up so beautifully, but I really don't. But let me tell you what happened with this work series and why I had to share this little secret, right? As I said, this is the final part of the work series. And because God speaks to me through acronyms, when he told me to do a series on work, he also gave me an acronym for the word work. So he gave me the terms worship, opportunity, cost, responsibilities, and koinonia before he gave me the full revelation of what he wanted me to share. 
And for this final part, which is koinonia, I know the word from my seminary studies, but I really get to use it in everyday conversation, right? So when God gave me the word, I was like, ooh, I would love to see how he's going to connect this to work, right? And then later on, he broke it down for me and I was even more excited to share it with you. I couldn't wait to record this episode. But here's the thing. When he gave me the acronym and then gave me the revelation, I had no idea at the time that right after the work series, I would be doing another series and that it would be on community, which is the word that God gave me for 2022. Then on top of all of that, Not only did I not know about the next series on community, I also didn't know at the time when he first told me about the work series, I didn't know that he was going to have me to launch our new Harmony course in May. But God knew all of this and he ordered my steps so that everything would line up when and how it's supposed to. God is just good like that. So now here I am wrapping up the work series and by the time as this message is released, I would have already recorded half of the community episodes. Plus, as of this message's release date, registration is now officially open for our new Harmony course. Woohoo! You should picture me over here doing a happy dance, all right? So I want to encourage you to visit our website, find out more about the Harmony course, share it with your friends. After you're finished listening to this Koinonia message, hop on the website and find out more about the course. But now let's get into Koinonia. So when I went on google.com to look up their definition of Koinonia, it said Koinonia is Christian fellowship or communion with God or more commonly with fellow Christians. Immediately when I saw that definition, the scripture that talks about not forsaking the gathering of the saints came to my mind. So that's where I'm going to start because that's a verse that gets used out of context a lot. And it's normally used to scold Christians who don't regularly attend church services. Now, I'm not here to tell you it's okay not to go to church regularly. That's between you and God. But what I do want to do is to give you a better understanding of the text. And to do that, we have to look at it in its proper context by looking at the full passage in Hebrews 10. So I'm going to read Hebrews 10 verses 19 through 25 from the NLT. And it reads, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Before we dive into the passage, I want to highlight the headings of the passage from different translations. NLT, the version I just read, labels that passage a call to persevere. CSB labels it exhortations to godliness. NASB labels it a new and living way. NIV labels it a call to persevere in faith. And New King James Version labels it hold fast your confession. From the headings alone, we can deduce that this passage is not simply an admonishment to go to church. This passage is talking about more than meeting together in a building labeled church. Paul is writing in a time that is after Jesus's crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. He himself has shifted from religious practices to pure relationship with God, a relationship that has no barriers. So Paul knows that his relationship with God exists everywhere he is because God is within him and around him. Further, Paul is encouraging the believers to have authentic relationships with other believers. He knows that true koinonia, otherwise known as fellowship, will help them not lose their newfound conviction that Jesus is the truth and the way. Haven't you ever felt discouraged on this Christian walk? Felt like wanting to give up? Wondering what is the point? Is God even real? And had a brother or sister in Christ encourage you to continue, remind you of why you believe in God, why God is real, why he is worthy to be praised and worship. That's what Paul is talking about. That's koinonia. That's fellowship. When we study the passage closely, we see that Paul is referring to a more encompassing meeting together than what happens nowadays in a typical church service. But to understand it even better, we have to go to Acts and read about what the body of Christ or the church looked like in those days. So we're going to hop over to Acts 2 verses 42 through 47. And this time I'm reading from the NASB. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all the believers were together and had all things in common and they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want you to note here that the people who believed that Jesus was the risen Savior and their Lord and that he was worthy of praise, 
they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. Additionally, they did all of this together. They lived as one in common unity, or like we like to call it, community, right? Community is common unity. Now, I know that in some denominations, partaking in the Lord's Supper is called breaking of bread. So you may be inclined to think that the breaking of bread referred to in verse 42 is communion that generally happens in a church service. However, if you consider the first Lord's Supper, when Jesus and his disciples shared their last meal together, they were in someone's home, not the temple. Also, if you look at the same passage that I just read, Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, it says that they went to temple and they broke bread in each other's homes. So in essence, they shared their meals together. So in this context, breaking the bread was sharing meals. Therefore, if we put all of this together, we can see that when Paul says in Hebrews that they ought not to forsake meeting together, he is talking about everything they did together in the temple and in their everyday lives. Thus, koinonia or Christian fellowship is more than going to church together. And it's more than having fellowship after service, which normally consists of chatting briefly, surfacely over a quick meal and some punch, right? That only scratches the surface of the kind of fellowship we see in Acts. At the heart of genuine fellowship is oneness. And so what I get from all of this is that the true test of oneness is whether there are people in need in your local congregation. If there are people in need, I would say there is no oneness happening. Now, don't get me wrong. Every church member does not have to have the same level of income or even the same status in society. However, if some people in your community live in huge houses with more rooms than people to occupy them, and then there are others in your community that are living in one-room dwelling places without electricity, I would reckon to say that there is no oneness in your community because some have an overabundance and some have lack. And as we see in Acts 2, there was no need because if there was a need, those who had would help those in need. And I accept that we aren't living under the same conditions as in the Bible days. So God doesn't expect us to be exactly like the people in Acts. However, I do believe that many of us have strayed too far from the heart of the gospel. And I want us to look at another passage, Acts 4, 32 to 35 in the NLT. And it says, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. 
the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. So here's my question to you and to me. Do you have more than enough and people around you have need? And like I said, I'm not just asking you that question. I have been asking myself that question as I prepared this material. And like me, you may be saying that things are rough and I only have enough for me and mine. And this may legitimately be where you are right now. And if it is, that's fine. But I know for me, I am now convicted to look for more ways to be less selfish. And as I was preparing the material, what came to mind was a picture of two little girls sitting on a bench in the schoolyard, primary school girls, elementary school, right? And their best friends enjoy each other's company during lunch recess. One little girl has just a sandwich for her lunch and the other little girl has no lunch at all. Now, technically, one sandwich is an appropriate meal for a child. So the little girl with the one sandwich would be right to say she only has enough for herself. But here she is sitting with her little bestie and she loves her bestie. And so she sees that her bestie has no food and she decides to give her friend half of her sandwich so they can both have something to eat. That was the righteous response. It was koinonia in action. I don't want you to think that I'm so, I've arrived and I, I, have, this, I have this thing down pack, right? Because <laughs> to be honest with you, that example hit me where it hurts, my stomach. <laughs> I have to admit that sharing my sandwich would not be my natural response in that scenario. It really wouldn't. To be honest with you, I prefer to share my money than share my food. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I got money here. You want some of my food? I have to be honest, it's not my natural response to share my food. And yes, I know that's probably not, not probably, it's not good. And I gotta do better, I know. But what about you? Are you naturally generous? If you are, God bless you. And are you naturally generous with everything that you have? Like me, I could be generous with money, but I'm not really generous with food. So... Are you generous with everything you have, your food, your clothes, your possessions, your space, your money? Think about that. And I'm going to go on. As that simmers in your soul, I'm going to go on and share the connection between koinonia and work, right? Because this is a work series. So I've talked a lot in this series about work not being about provision. And I've said that work should be about purpose. And we know that overall, our purpose as believers is to glorify God through our obedience. God created humans to manage the earth and we should see work as an opportunity to partner with God in taking care of his creation. And the way that we partner with him is by using our gifts and abilities to do the work that he assigns us. And When we're talking about work on a job or in our business, then there's pay involved. So I am not saying that as a Christian, we never work for pay. But what I am saying is that we don't limit ourselves to only working for pay because purpose is more important than pay. 
Not that we're not going to get paid, but purpose has to be a primary motivation. Just to give a little bit more context to this, Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 18 to 19, and this is the Living Bible Translation, TLB, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity, and they will be living a fruitful life down here as well right? So this is why I'm saying money should not be our primary motivation because often if money is your primary motivation, it's coming from a selfish place. And then that means that when you get the money, it's going to be harder for you to want to share it. But if you have a a total mindset geared towards I'm working to fulfill the purpose of God, then that means that you understand that the actions should be purposeful. And then you also understand that any money gained from the actions that you do is also God's. You belong to God. Your resources belong to God. Your gifts are gifts from God. Any money you get from using the gifts that God gave you belongs to God. We like to talk about giving God the 10%, the tithe, but all of it belongs to God. Paying the tithe is our way of acknowledging everything I have belongs to you. I'm going to give back 10% to symbolize that I understand that everything I have belongs to you. And then wisdom says with the 90%, you still ask God, How do you want me to distribute this? You look around and you see who are the people in need that I need to share this money that God has allowed me to have, right? Because as we see in the first Timothy passage, this is really an instruction to us as believers as to what we should do when we receive monetary payment. We are to use our money for kingdom purposes. Our resources are not just for our own gain or comfort. And it's not that God is against you living a comfortable life or enjoying nice things and having nice experiences. However, as a kingdom-minded person, you should want to be involved in what is important to the king. And God, our king, is most concerned about the people he created. The Bible tells us that God wishes that none would perish. And oftentimes we think of perish as go to hell when we die, but we could perish right here while we're still alive if we're living a life without God. God does not want any of his creation to live without him, to live without acknowledging his presence and being willing to lay down our lives for him because that really is the better way. Therefore, we should be willing to work purposefully. And purposeful work is when we use our gifts to draw others to God through our actions. Another key aspect of purposeful work is being willing to live out koinonia. 
The purpose of koinonia is to express God's love through your relationships with other people. So when you are motivated by koinonia, you will be concerned about the well-being of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Thus, you will gladly use your resources to help others experience God's love. And as I wrap up this episode and wrap up the work series, I want to share one more scripture with you. And this is Matthew 6, 19 to 21. And I'm going to read it from the Living Bible Translation. And here Jesus is speaking to his followers and he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode or may be stolen. Store them in heaven where they will never lose their value and are safe from thieves. If your prophets are in heaven, your heart will be there too. Beloved, my prayer for you is that you worship through your work. Weigh the cost of each work opportunity. Focus only on the work you have responsibility for. And that true koinonia would be your motivation for work. Before I go, I want to let you know about an opportunity for you to learn more about the concepts I share today. For seven consecutive Saturdays, I'll be going more in depth with this material in our upcoming Harmony course. Each week, I will teach live on Zoom about getting to know God and yourself better. I'll also share the tools you need to live a less frazzled life. If you feel like the Energizer Bunny because you keep going and going and going, maybe this Harmony course is for you. God did not design you to live on three hours of sleep, nor does he require you to give so much of yourself away that you have nothing left for you or a personal relationship with him. Visit our website at pathwayteam242.org and click on the learn more button for more information about this life transforming harmony course. Listen, we upgrade our computers and our cell phones and even our wardrobe and cars. How about upgrading how you do life? The strategies I will be teaching have improved not only the quality of my life, but have also transformed the way my clients do life. Join us in this Harmony course and learn how to maximize your capacity, achieve true inner peace, and live a purposefully productive life. As we close this episode, I want to let you know that we also have a written version of the podcast episode. So if you like to read or you learn better visually, please check out the blog post. The link is in the show notes. Lastly, if you have matters weighing on your heart and you would like my team to pray for you, please send me a private message with your prayer request. Until next time, God bless you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Living Loved and Free with Carol G, brought to you by Pathway Kingdom Life Coaching, where we equip kingdom women for loving relationships. We'd love to hear from you. 
please rate, like, or leave a comment with your feedback or send us an email with your thoughts or questions at info at pathwayteam242.org. We also invite you to join our email community at pathwayteam242.org. And be sure to connect with Pathway or Carol Griffiths on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. The link to connect with us is in the show notes. I am Carol Griffiths, your freedom coach. Until next time, remember that you are free to be the whole healed helpmate God created you to be. Thank you.